477. Let's all sing. Years are spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. My burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. That drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Amen. Brother Rich McGee, would you open us in prayer, please? Amen. Please do be seated. Uh, well, I am glad you all are here today, and uh, I thank you all for praying for the uh, the marriage conference, and uh, we had a good, safe marriage conference, and so praise the Lord for that. And um, uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house again today. Amen? Good to have our visitors. We're just so glad you all are here. Amen. I'm excited about a few of them here. Amen. And uh, and so we're just uh, glad for the beautiful day the Lord's given us, the health that we enjoy to be here. Do be in prayer for one another, though. We have some out today, so just uh, look around, see who's not here, and uh, let's do be in prayer about that. Today at 4.30, we're going to start our, uh, our Bible study, study, okay? How to study the Bible, prepare messages, sermons, devotions. And uh, so I have a textbook here for one per family, anybody would like to have it. 
I'd like to have everybody, if you can, read up to page 47 today. It's pretty easy reading. It's, 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 it's mostly introduction-type stuff. And, uh, and so I encourage you to get that. Be here 4.30 sharp, please, because uh, I'm going to finish at 5.30 sharp. Okay, and so please do be here for that. And I promise you this, I think anybody can benefit from it, all right? And at the very least, uh, if you don't need it, maybe you can you know, learn it to teach it, you know? And so anyhow, uh, let me encourage you to come, and uh, we'll be having that class here this afternoon at 4.30. What's that? Uh, I could. Okay, I could. I should. <laughs> I could. That's a good idea. We'll think about that. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Uh, all right. So, uh, any praises? All right. I praise the Lord for just general things. Amen. So, uh, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offering for men will come to receive those. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Brother Wade, if you would. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're grateful to be in your house today, uh, Lord. And we just want to thank you for a good couple's retreat, Lord, and safe travels back and forth, Lord. Lord, we just want to pray for all those who may be sick, Lord. Just be with them and help heal them. Lord, be with the pastor today, Lord. Just give him the words yes, Lord, Lord. to preach your word. Lord, we just want to continue to pray for this country. Just want to pray for our leaders, Lord. Just Amen. I'm going to get this number right if it kills me. 309. 309. 309. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. The shadow of Within a weary land, a home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way. From the burning of the noonday heat and the burden of the upon that cross of Jesus. Jesus, mine eye at times can see the very dying form of one who suffered there for me, and from my smitten heart with tears, the wonders I confess, the wonders of his glorious love and my own worthless 
Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to get your red hymnal now, if you will. Get your red hymnal. And I, I uh, was thinking about something at the at the marriage conference. Is uh, I appreciate our church singing in the key we do, and I hope it's not hard for you, but it's easier for me. And I, I think you take it down two steps or something or something like that. And uh, and and so for sopranos, I apologize. I'm sorry. But when you're at the, that conference, it's just off enough a key that you either have to sing for me real low or real high. And uh, when they start with the real high ones in the morning, you know, it's a little squeaky if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. I, I want to sing this song this morning. This, this used to be a favorite of a man that used to sit right there, uh, Brother Hansford Ash, and uh, it meant a lot to him. I'm going to be preaching about the Good Shepherd here today. And so I'd like to sing, uh, My Sheep Know My Voice. Okay, if I can get a red one. Give me a red one there, brother. Thank you, sir. All right. 257. Let's all stand if you can. You got to hit some high notes here. <clears throat> my sheep know my voice and the path that I take. They follow wherever I go. My sheep know my voice and come at my call, but a stranger's voice they do not know. My sheep know my voice, and day by day they abide in the fold and go not astray. They love me because I have made them my chore, and they follow my call for my sheep. pastures of green where I lead them so often to feed. My sheep know my voice and the cool sparkling stream where beside it still waters I lead. My sheep know my voice and day by day they abide in the fold and go not astray. They love me because I have made 
y'all singing the parts to that amen all right i want you to be in john chapter 10 then john chapter 10 john chapter 10 beginning verse 1 the bible says verily verily i say unto you he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable Jesus spake unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, uh, whose, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the, sheep, uh, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep have I, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, and, uh, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received 
uh, of my father. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings, and many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to be able to sing this wonderful song. We thank you for this wonderful text and this truth that you are the good shepherd. And Father, we just pray that you would meet with us for a time. Help us to put aside uh, cares and fatigue and, and just, uh, just any concerns. Father, we just pray that you'd help us to put aside for a time. Father, speak to us from your word. Give us understanding by your Holy Spirit. And then, Father, if, if, we, if we can or if we need to, Father, give us the courage and the desire to take and to follow your call, to do what you'd have us to do here today. Father, we love you. We thank you now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We are going to be looking at the Good Shepherd here today. And at the very end there, you notice that Jesus is still being put on trial. He's been on trial. He, they've either been trying him or, or he's been trying them. And so, if you will, it's just been uh, trial after trial. There's going to be more after this, to be quite honest with you. Uh, whether, they're putting him on trial, whether he is indeed the Christ or not. In verse 24, that's, that's what the Bible says here. Look what it says. It says, Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. You see, he's been using illustrations and stories and miracles. And, and, and one person says, How can a, a man that's sent from God... Uh, do, uh, not sent from God, do these miracles. He, he's got to be from God. And so there's a division. There's a, there, there's, if you will, he's, they're holding the trials and the jury's still split. The jury's still out, you, you understand here. We see here he's not making his appeal to those who say that they can see, but to those who say that they still cannot see. Notice what he says in, in chapter uh, 19, uh, excuse me, chapter 9. Look at verse 39, chapter 9, verse 39. It says, Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And, uh, excuse me, that's not chapter 9. It says, And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which, uh, which see might be made blind. He says, And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? By the way, remember he called them blind leaders of the blind. Right? So the, the answer is yes, you're blind. If, and then notice what he says in verse 41. Jesus said unto them, if you were blind, you should have no sin. He says, but now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. You say you understand these things. You say that you're the teachers of these people. You say that you're the leaders. He says, because of that, you have sin. If you were ignorant, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold you guilty, amen. But you say you see. You say, you say that you know. And if you will, they were trying to find the Christ. That's why they asked the question in 1024. Just tell us plainly if thou be the Christ. And by the way, as soon as he would have claimed to be the Christ, they would have said, let's kill him. <laughs> why? Because no man can be the son of God. Well, wait a minute. You're looking for him to come. And when he comes, he says he's here. Now you want to kill him because he couldn't possibly be the one who is to come. And, and, and so if you will. So if you will, you know, Jesus, when making a case, he uses here a metaphor that everyone in this shepherding community can understand. He says, I'm going to explain my position and my role here by telling you about shepherds and shepherding. 
And so he says in verse 11 there, he says, I am the good shepherd, okay? And verse 14, I believe he says it again. He says, I am that good shepherd. And, and so they understood shepherds and shepherding. They're a shepherding community. How long have they been shepherds? They've been shepherds from the beginning. You all understand that? The nation started as a nation of shepherds. And so if you will, he takes in some ways the most familiar of metaphors, the most familiar of pictures, he says, you say you can see, but let me explain it to you as plain as I can explain it to you. He says, I am that good shepherd. And, and he begins, if you will, if you will, describing shepherds and, and, if you will, shepherding. Now, notice in verse 1, what he does is he starts by defining what bad shepherds are. In, in verse 1 of chapter 10, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief, and a robber. Now, seemingly here, I believe he's talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, okay? And if you will, you, you know the verse in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But in, in a sense, he's not really talking. He'll say here in a minute that he is the door. But he's talking about this. There's only one way to get into a sheepfold. Now, we went to, last week when Brother Taylor was here, we went down to Arkansas to to see the tabernacle, if you will. And one of the things that they have in the tabernacle area is they have an old stone sheep coat, okay? That's what they call them, a sheep coat. And if you will, it was just a stack of rocks about, oh, I'd say this high, okay? And it had a, a, a big circle maybe that would encircle, you know, maybe a, a good portion of this, this row here, if you will. And, uh, and it went around and it had an opening about this big, okay? And some of you already know this, but what would happen? The porter, the gatekeeper, would take and he would sleep in that opening, okay? And so once the day's feeding was over, uh, a number of shepherds would come and bring their sheep and put them in there. And, uh, and then the porter would take and he would sit there. And anybody that didn't come through the door was trying to steal a sheep. You all understand that? And so he says, all that come any other way are thieves and robbers, Okay. Now, my understanding of those two words right there is, is a thief is somebody who tries to trick you out of what you have, okay? And a robber is somebody who says, stick it up, okay? And, and, and so, if you will, uh, uh, somebody who's tried to deceive you from what you have or somebody who's literally trying to, by force, take what you have. And he says, anybody that comes into a sheepfold, and can I just tell you this, the people in this community would have went, yeah, 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 that's the way it is. That's, that's exactly right. You don't go over the walls, you go through the door. No, that's understood. If anybody ever would go over the wall, of course, that's, that's a robber, that's a thief, that's a bad person. He's, he's okay, he's, he's got them set up. Meaning this, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says, all the Pharisees say you can get to God this way. And the Sadducees say that you could get to God this way. And to be quite honest with you, I could probably put any other group in there, anybody who has a false gospel or a false way. Uh, let me give you one illustration. If somebody says, I can get you to heaven if you'll just get baptized into our church, please take this the right way. That's a thief or a robber. They cannot deliver what they're promising. Amen. And so if you will, they've come up some other way. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, one way of understanding that is I came through the door. I, literally, he'll say later, I am the door, but we'll look at that later. But the whole point is this. He says, you've got to come through the door. Only thieves and robbers come any other way. There's only one way to God. Now, I will tell you this. We live in a world that would love to say, oh, there's many ways to one God. No, there's not many ways to one God. There's one, one way to one God. 
And God is the one who did it. God is the one who said it. And so he is seemingly, I believe, speaking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were thieves or swindlers, okay? Uh, they were robbers. They, they took things by force. You know, by, uh, if you will, I, I think about this, I would equate the Pharisees as thieves because of their traditions. Meaning this, they were trying to deceive. No, you've got to walk so many steps in a day, and you've got to wash your hands so many times, and you've got to make certain sacrifices at a certain time. By the way, all the traditions and all the nonsense, and God says you've made the law of none effect by your traditions. <laughs> Meaning this, you've, you've made another way. You all understand that? You've made another way. And, and so if you will, I kind of feel like the Pharisees. I believe the Sadducees were more like the robbers. They were the ones that said, stick them up. They were the ones that run the Temple Mount. They were the ones, they were the money changers. They were the ones, if you will, that had turned uh, uh, religion into a business. And by the way, in doing that, made it so that nobody wanted to come to church. Made it so that nobody wanted to come to the temple. Y'all understand that? Because they took and they saw, if you will, uh, the falsity of it all and, and, and the wickedness of it all. And people just said, uh, you remember, uh, uh, who was it? It was Eli's sons. You remember that? They were literally raping women at the temple and eating raw meat. And the Bible says that people got to the point that they just hated going to the tabernacle because of that wickedness. Please take this the right way, folks. Because of people doing things the wrong way over years, can I just tell you this? It's getting harder and harder to get people into church. Because they've seen the abuses. They've seen all the things that have been done wrong. And people have a distaste. And so, if you will, he's taking, he's pointing them out. He says, you're the thieves, you're the robbers, okay? And so, if you will. Now, these both were keeping the sheep from being saved. Go, if you will, keep your place here. But go to Matthew, please, chapter 23. I want you to see something here. Matthew chapter 23. And look with me, if you will, at verse 14. The Bible says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Go down to verse 16. It says, Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, this is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple. Excuse me, verse 14. I wanted to read verse 13. I don't know what it is with numbers today. Excuse me. Says, but verse 13 it says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Meaning this, you, you've taken in and made people who want to go to heaven confused and, and, and not understand. Amen. Okay. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. Meaning this, you're just doing religious for, religion for money. You all see that? And so uh, I, that's the reason I believe that these are the right things here. I want you to think about something here. Whenever they were doing what they were doing, they were robbing them of their salvation for power and for profit. And I will promise you this, folks. People use religion to get power over people and to profit financially. One of the best illustrations of that is Scientology. Scientology is a religion that was invented less than 100 years ago. And... Uh, it literally was, he said, he says, uh, the, L. Ron Hubbard, the guy who started, he says, if you want to make real money, start a religion. If you want to make real money, and then if you see the control that they have over people, being able to tell people what to do and how to do it and when to do it, I'm just telling you, it's all about power and control. Folks, there's nothing new under the sun. 
They just tamed, changed the names and the places. I want you to think about this, and many of you might know this, many of you maybe don't, but does anybody know the richest per square inch city in the world? It's not Rome, but it's right, it's close, Vatican City, and it's by far. Vatican City is the richest, it's the richest territory in the world by cubic foot. I don't know how, I don't know what the word was, but if you take its space by its riches, it is by far the richest uh, country in the world. Mormons, by the way, notoriously wealthy. The Mormon church is notoriously wealthy. And by the way, it's not just the members. The church itself has an amazing wealth and portfolio. Why did they start these religions? Money and power, money and power, amen? Uh, cults such as Scientology or money-raising machines. Uh, and these are the extremes, okay? But I want you to think about the rise of churches today with a diluted gospel and, uh, and if you will, just kind of come as you are, leave as you came, type churches. Please help me for a second here. How many of y'all think it'd be a good idea if maybe you got under conviction today? Even save people. I'm just telling you, it's good to come and, 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 to, and to be touched and moved by the Lord and, and have your life changed. And yet we're living in a, t in a day today where the Apostle Paul described what we're living through. Go to 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy. Go to chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, again, a familiar verse of Scripture, but read it, read it in this context that we've just looked at. And he warns them, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than, uh, more than lovers of God. By the way, who's he talking about? Lost people or saved people? If they're saved, they're religious at best. Okay? Because I do believe, I believe he's talking about people will be in the church like this. Because he's warning them. Y'all see that? Look what he says in verse 5. Having a form of godliness. Oh, they're acting like Christians. And please take this the right way. You might be able to convince other people that you're a Christian, but, but other, other people aren't your judge. You better make sure your heart's right with God, amen. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of these are the sort which uh, creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I will tell you what, uh, sometimes these soft gospel places love having Bible studies. The only problem is they twist the scriptures. They take and twist the scriptures. 
The Bible says this, it says, uh, Now as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Now folks, get a hold of this. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, there's going to be some wicked people coming to the church, and they're going to try to do just like the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and turn the faith to the wrong direction, amen? And all for personal profit, and for gain, and for power over people people amen look at those verses amen but notice what the bible says we live in a world today don't judge me and can i just say this that's in the religious realm don't judge me i go to church i'm just good as you i appreciate that but please take this the right way i, I met a man uh, yesterday at the marriage conference he says you're from monette and i said yeah he said he said i used to go to such and such church in monette and i said oh good and, you know we had a good conversation and he actually used to go to the Church of Christ. Well, I have trouble distinguishing between the Church of Christ, the Disciples of Christ, and everything. By the way, there's a big difference, okay? There's a big difference. And there used to be a Disciples of Christ pastor in this town. And this was early on, I mean, 25 years ago. And one of the big controversies that he raised up is he put an article in the, the Monet paper. Is it Monet Times? Mike might be the only one who remembers it. And he defended uh, evolution. He got up and said, no, evolution is the way God did all this. And he basically denied the Bible to take and to support evolution and scientific thinking and everything like this. And please take this the right way. I think you guys know I love science. But can I tell you this? In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. And to think that, that evolutionary, it's unbiblical, it's unscriptural. It, de it destroys people's faith in the true God and the gospel. Amen. And the Bible says, well, well, don't judge. We don't want to judge. You can believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. And the Bible says, yeah, it's going to come to that in the last days. Notice verse 10. Verse 10 he takes and he makes it very clear after all that. He says this. He says, but thou hast fully known my what? Is doctrine important? Come on, I'm not moving on. Is doctrine important? How about manner of life? Please take this the right way, folks. If your Christian walk can't walk outside this building, something's wrong with your walk. Amen. It does matter how you live. It does matter your character outside these walls. Amen. And I, I'm just telling you, we're living in a world today that, that uh, for money or for power, that they, they take and manipulate the gospel. They make it easy to get saved. They hold you to no account. You can do whatever you want. God still loves you. The problem is you're going to have a hard time finding a verse for most of those statements. Amen. God cares about how we're saved, and God cares about how we live. Amen. Verse 10, the Bible says, purpose and faith and long-suffering and charity and patience. And can I just tell you this? Christianity ought to be more than just a confession. It ought to be something that changes who we are and what we say and what we believe. Amen, amen, and amen. And so we see he defines bad shepherds. What are bad shepherds? Anybody who's willing to take you over the wall the wrong way. Okay. Now, folks, I'm preaching to a group of Baptists here, so we know that there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And yet you'll have churches this week preaching there's no difference between Allah and God. Is there anything different between Allah and God? Yes. <laughs> 
There is only one way, Jesus Christ. So he defines the bad shepherds. The second thing he does in verse 2, go back to our text in, in John chapter 10. In verse 2, uh, he describes the true shepherd, if you will. And he is the one that goes the right way. Look what the Bible says in verse 2. The Bible says, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now notice at this point, he's not the door. He enters at the door. He goes in and the porter looks at him and says, yes, you have sheep in here. Okay, And so literally, he's the doorkeeper, he's the gatekeeper. Jesus takes and shows up, and he identifies him. You are the one. Okay, Now, folks, how important is that? You remember they say, we see, we see, we know who the Christ is. They said, if you, if, if you said you were blind, you'd be okay. But you're looking at the Christ, and you say you can't see him. Come on now, amen? And so if you will, the whole idea about identifying, the porter takes and looks up and says, you are the Christ. Folks, the good shepherd can be identified. Amen. He goes in the right way. He goes in only one way. Amen. Look what the Bible says in verse 7. It, it describes further this thing here. In John chapter 7, verse 7, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Say, say it with me. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And you see here what he's saying is he's saying, uh, he's saying, I, I am the only way. I am, I am that only one, okay? He's identified as the true shepherd. Keep reading. Look what it says in verse 11. In verse 11, the Bible says this. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep. Now, please take this the right way. How many of you all think Jesus knew what was coming in his life? And one of the things that was necessary for him to be our shepherd is he had to give his life for us. Remember David, one of the things that qualified him to be the king is uh, he walked up to the Philistine and he said, I've killed a lion and a bear. <laughs> and, so, and, and, and this Philistine's nothing. Why? Because Not because he's such a great slingshot. It's because he believes in the God who protects him. Amen. Folks, if you will... Whenever somebody's in it for the profit or for the power, when it gets too hard, what happens? Well, quite often they end with very tragic stories. Amen. But folks, Jesus is saying this. Don't touch them, but you can touch me. Folks, in, in, in this chapter, we read it. He says, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. And folks, if you will, he's saying this. For my sheep to live... I have to die. And when all the other thieves and robbers hear that, they're going to run. They're going to run. They're not going to stay there. And I will promise you this, that whenever people get trapped or they get caught, and, 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 and if you will, the, the, the story always ends badly. They take in, and the world is, is full of stories of people who claim to be some great thing, and then when they were found to be false, they, they, they ended their life pathetically, either just in, in um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, in not uh, infamy, okay, for infamy or, or death of, of some kind. You see, he goes in the right way. He's identified as the true shepherd. He gives his life. How does he do that? Through atonement, redemption, or propitiation. They deserve to die, but I'm going to die for them. Why? Because I'm the good shepherd. I give my life for my sheep. 
Hirelings are only in it for themselves. Did Jesus have a hireling? Judas Iscariot. You know what he said? Well, if we're not going to the throne, I'm not going to the cross. That's exactly what Judas Iscariot said. And he said, as long as I have power, and as long as I have position, and as long as I've got at least 30 talents of silver, I'll be all right. And can I just tell you, there's some people in this world that use religion just for those reasons, and they rob people's hope, people's joy, people's confidence in the man of God. Amen. And, and, and so we see that. Uh, notice this also. Go back to verse 3. We see here, the Bible says that the good shepherd, he calls them out. The Bible says he calls them out by name, amen? And if you will, what is a church? One of the definitions of a church is a called out assembly. A called out assembly is a crier who would come and say, uh, we're having church, we're, we're sending people to heaven, do you want to come? I mean, and that's what a town crier was. And so a called out assembly is, we're inviting you to church, we're inviting you to heaven, we're inviting you to salvation. You all with me? And folks... This is not uh, called out. This is the assembly of the called out. Meaning, if you have taken and if you accepted that call, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And so a saved person joins himself to this body, and then we're a called out assembly. Amen. Folks, take this right way. This might be controversial. Um, a church can only be composed of saved people. Get a hold of this. You can be assembled with us today. But if you're not saved, you're not in the church. The Bible says that his sheep come at his call. His sheep respond to his invitation. God takes and gave his life and he, he sends the invitation. Matter of fact, the very last thing given in the Bible whereby the Spirit speaks is he says, come. Amen. Listen, it's an invitation at the very end of the book. If you will, God takes and he invites us to follow him by faith. By the way, he calls out... And this be interesting. Now, you know your sheep. Can you identify your sheep from a distance? I got to ask this. Have you given your sheep names? Oh, only the special ones. <laughs> we, we had some special cows, and so we always tried to give them, give them names because it's always easier to butcher them when you give them names. <laughs> That's true because we had hamburger and T-bone. And <laughs> that's what we named our cows. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I, but folks, he calls us by name. Please take this the right way. There is a certain sense that there is a general call. God's not willing that any should be perished. Any should perish. But can I tell you this? There had to be a time when uh, he said, Mindy, Mark. Amen. And it, you had to say, yes, Lord, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? One of the, one of the abuses I think some Baptist churches have done in the past, and I, to be quite honest with you, I think it's a crime, but they would have a general invitation where a group would come up. And somebody would pray over them, and then they'd send them back to their seats, and they'd say, now you're all saved, you're going to go to heaven. Well, please take this the right way. I'm not sure if they're going to heaven because I'm not sure if they're saved. I think if God is going to take and deal with us individually, then we probably ought to deal with individuals. Amen.
The Bible says he takes and he calls them by name because he knows his sheep and they know him. Literally think about this. There could be three or four different shepherds in this sheepfold, okay? And literally the shepherd could go out and he could say, uh, Baba. They're all going to be Baba and Babi and Baba. <laughs> God, I don't know name for sheep. Amen? But they're going to hear their name. They're going to say, they're going to come out. They're going to come out. And they're going to come out. And by the way, all the other sheep in that sheepfold are going to be afraid of him. Why? That's not my shepherd. That's not my shepherd. Because I want you to think about that. There's another way of looking at the metaphor. Most of the sheep in there didn't belong to him. Amen. Amen. They know their shepherd. Praise the Lord. Amen. But, and by the way, it, it connects here because they, they raise them. How many of y'all know that in a society full of shepherds, they're going, huh? And you know what he's saying? The reason you haven't responded is you are not my sheep. I hit on this a little bit last week, but friend, you can attend here all you want. You can assemble all you want, but you had to have responded to his call to be a part of his church. And if you notice, he said, I have other sheep and I'm going to make one flock of them someday. Please take this the right way. If you're not a member of this flock, you might not be a member of that flock. And say, well, church, church, church membership's not important. You might want to read your Bible again. Amen. Church membership is important. Well, I can't join your church. Well, please take this the right way. You got to think about joining the church. And here's the question you got to ask. You got to ask, is this where the Lord wants me to be a member of a church? Okay? And some of you might need to be baptized. Someone might just need to transfer a letter. Some of you, listen now, and this is the one I'm concerned about. Some of you might need to be saved. Because if you will, the Lord has called you and called you and called you. And, and by the way, I think the Lord knows those that are his. He's going to keep calling until you respond. But please take this the right way. There might be a last time he calls. That's my testimony. I, I didn't get saved until I realized this might be the last time God invites me to get saved. And I got to tell you, that was convicting to my core. And I, man, I had to get saved. I had to get saved. Why? Because if this is your last invitation, I'm coming. I'm coming. Amen. Can you remember a time where God called you as an individual? You knew he was talking to you. And you needed to be saved. By the way, you might be a member of this church. But please take this the right way. If you've been baptized right, and if you've been attending right, and you're not saved... You're not a member of this church. Amen. And what a terrible thing to be in the sheepfold and the master calls you and you don't respond because he is the good shepherd. The Bible talks about he leads them personally. And by the way, today he does this by virtue of his Holy Spirit. 
It's needful that I go away. For if I go away, then I can send another comforter. I can send the Holy Spirit. And he can be with you at all times, amen, and in all places. And I will promise you this. The Holy Spirit of God is real. And if you've never felt his leading or his moving, something might be wrong. By the way, the very first leading or moving you're going to feel from the Holy Spirit is conviction. Conviction. Hey, I, I need to respond to that call. Amen. But I, I will also tell you this. He leads and guides you day by day. And if you don't know that sense and that presence, something might be wrong. Because the Bible says if you have not the Holy Spirit, you're none of his. Amen. They say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'll tell you what I mean. The Apostle Paul is getting ready to go into Asia. Amen. And, and, and the Bible says the Spirit wouldn't let him go. I think it's Acts chapter 16. I got it written down if you want and, 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 and the Bible says the Spirit wouldn't let him. Matter of fact, I want you to turn there because there's an important word there. I want you to see the word. Go to uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 7. Acts chapter 16, verse 7. Acts chapter 16, verse 7, it says, After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Now, folks, I'm, I'm so glad words mean things. They all know what essay means, right? That means to measure a property line to put a house on. Uh, that's joking, folks. <laughs> that word essay is actually, a, it, it means, if you will, to test or to try. The word essay means to test or to try. You know what it's saying? They're, th they're sitting there and they're praying and they're saying, well, we think we need to go into Asia. And they start to take that first step and immediately their heart says no. Anybody here ever uh, thought about buying a car? Man, you get all excited, and you work out the financing, and there's just that deep-seated pit in your stomach that says you shouldn't be buying this car. Anybody ever been there? How about a house? How about a jelly donut? I don't know. A jelly donut? <coughs> you know what I mean? But maybe I should have listened a few more times. Amen. <laughs> uh, I joke about that, but I think God can could take and lead you in the least significant things in life if you're sensitive to him if you've hardened your heart and if the ceiling has become brass upon you well you just do whatever you think why because he's not walking alongside you by the way that's what the word comforter means it literally means one who walks alongside and by the way by implication, inside. As I walk, the Holy Spirit of God's in me. As a preacher, I benefit sometimes because he gives me words to say that I say, and sometimes they're a blessing, and, and you're like, man, that wasn't even in my notes. I didn't, you know, where'd that come from? Well, Lord, you know, says you need to say this. Somebody needs to hear this. And every once in a while, you preach something and say, well, you're just preaching at me. And I was like, well, when I was preparing it, I wasn't preaching at you. Uh, meaning what? The Holy Spirit of God was speaking to them. Amen? And, and, and the very first thing he'll speak to you is conviction if you're lost. Amen? But if you're saved, he'll give you direction. Marry this person. Get away from that person. T take and buy this. Don't buy that. Take this job. Don't take that job. Amen? And the Bible says as you try them, okay? And so in a sense, it's okay to use the metaphor, open the door and ask, the God, ask God if he if wants you to walk through. Well, I'm going to try this door. God says, no. Okay. Well, I'm going to try this door. No. Well, I'm going to try this door. 
See, the one thing about the Holy Spirit's leadership, quite often he doesn't tell you exactly what to do. He just doesn't say no when you try something. And that's exactly what he's talking about there. They essayed to go into, okay? And, 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 and God said, no, don't go there. Okay, well, we'll go a different way then, okay? And so they, they took and they followed, if you will, the Lord. And so the Lord leads them per, personally. And then his voice causes those who are not his sheep to flee. Look what the Bible says back in our text in verse 5. John chapter 10 and verse 5. The Bible says, And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. And by the way, if they don't know Jesus, then Jesus is a stranger to them. You all understand that? Think about this. You know, we saw that with the bread of heaven lesson. When he said, I am that bread which came down from heaven, they came to him, they said, this is a hard saying. Amen. And they questioned him some more, and they, they said, well, this is hard for us to understand. This is a hard saying. You're saying you came out of heaven? And the conclusion was that at that time, many of his disciples... Many of his church attenders, amen, that means he's walking around with a crowd, stopped following him right there because they said, his voice scares us now. I don't know about you, what would you feel if, if God said, I am the bread which came down from heaven? Ooh, you mean I can receive you and have everlasting life? I like that. Jesus took and he turned to the core. He turned to the apostles and he said, will you also go away? And of course, they had the right answer. They said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. They took and they said, well, we, we're not running from your voice. We're not running from your preaching. Uh, I, I would tell you, uh, 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 great is the peace that, uh, 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 help me now. Great is the peace that those that know the Lord and nothing shall offend them. I got, I got the verse wrong at the first half. My whole point is this, is please take this the right way. God can tell me anything about anything. Why? Because he's my shepherd. I pray to God, you cannot offend me. And by the way, if I get up here and bluster about my opinion, then just ignore it. But if I'm faithfully delivering the word of God, and right now it's cutting you, and you're like, I don't like that kind of preaching. Can I just tell you this? You might want to repent rather than getting mad. Amen. Because his sheep respond to his voice. Last thing that we see. Oh, by the way, how many of y'all remember hard preaching? I, was gonna, I knew I was going to get an amen. Amen. <laughs> Brother Mike's raised in Tennessee, and, and uh, I know he and... and, and, and uh, and Jason loved hard preaching, man. I mean, stomp and snort and call out sin. Hey, man. <laughs> How many of y'all think people like that kind of preaching today? And I tell you why. It's because it steps on toes. You've heard people say this. I, I hate going to a church where all they do is fire and brimstone. Rah, 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 rah. Preach out sin. Rah, rah, rah. Praise God for the ones who still do. Because so much of preaching today is just hand-holding and, oh, I'm so sorry for your hardship. And Folks, I, I saw a video. Some of you sent, somebody sent it to me, so I'm not trying to take credit for it. But they interviewed, I think, a 20-year-old girl who was weeping openly because 
she couldn't take the rigors of a 40-hour-a-week job. I don't know if you know this today, but folks, a lot of people can't work 40 hours a week. It's, it's, we have people who hire. <laughs> and how many of y'all know this? Anybody here who's ever accomplished anything in life probably works 70 hours a week. And don't open a restaurant because you're just 24 hours. <laughs> y'all with me? Folks, we're living in a day where we have become so soft that you can't hardly preach the Bible and people don't take offense. I praise the Lord for a church of people who can still listen to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. My sheep hear my voice, and they don't run when I call. By the way, your mother ever yell at you? My mom's here, so I... <laughs> we don't need any illustrations. <laughs> But how many of y'all know you're in trouble when you hear, Mark Allen? <laughs> oh, no, my middle name. <laughs> and you better not run that way. You better, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and folks, that's the way we ought to run to the Lord. When he speaks that voice. We see he defined the bad shepherds. He described the true shepherds. And then he talks about the demands of the good shepherd. Look at verse 16, if you will. In verse 16, the Bible says this. It says, And other sheep have I which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And if you will, the implication here is this. How many of you all believe Jesus wants to get as many as his sheep fold as he can? And, and so, if you will, he's talking about Gentiles here, I believe. But the Bible tells us, verse 17 and 18, to make that possible, he has to lay down his life. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, a man lay down his life for his friends. Amen. I want you to know that Jesus loves you enough as a sheep. He is the shepherd. And he loves you enough to say, you're raised for slaughter, but I'll die for you. I mean, think about the implication. Is that what sheep are raised for? As sheep to the slaughter. And folks, the world, that's the way they see people is to use and manipulate and profit from and then dispose of when they destroyed their lives. And God says, I don't want you to give your life like that. He says, as a matter of fact, I'll give my life so that could never, ever happen to you. I love, I love the illustration here. The Bible tells us how we need to come to him. Verse 19 Verse 19, the Bible says this. It says, There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? And others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? He's, he's literally saying this. They're saying, Look, some of these things are hard to understand, yes. But let's let him have a little bit of authority in our lives because nobody ever spake like this. Nobody ever did the miracles that he's done. And please take this the right way. There has never lived another being that could accomplish what Jesus did. And please, please listen to me now. He did it all for you. Could you do me a favor, just metaphorically or physically, I don't care. He did it all for me. And folks, if his sheepfold was only one sheep, I believe with all my heart, he would have come just for that one. 
but he wants it full. And he wants it so that people respond to him. And he says this, he says, I'll lay my life down so that you don't have to. Because I'm the good shepherd. All these other shepherds out here who are opposing me, they're just trying to take your money and have power over you. Why don't you just come to me? He, as a lamb before the shear, he opened not his mouth. Amen. The Bible said that God laid the iniquity of us all on him. Amen. And, and as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. He invites us to come into his fold. And he speaks to us by name. Friend, have you ever been spoken to by name? You know you're saved. You know you're going to heaven when you die. Praise God. But friend, if you're here and if there's any doubt... Why not make it sure today? Read the rest of the chapter because this is the chapter that says, all the sheep that I have, my father gave me and he put them in my hand. And nobody can take them out. <laughs> Praise God! Amen. That's a wonderful Savior. But folks, if you'll never come to him, and attending church doesn't take you to heaven. Getting baptized doesn't get you to heaven. Responding to that voice that won't go away. That God's final call. Hey, I'm talking to you. That's what will get you to heaven. Respond to him. Let's all stand. The altars are open. The invitation from him. Maybe you want to come pray for someone. Maybe... You need to have someone come and pray with you or show you from the Word of God how you can know you're going to heaven when you die. You come as we sing. We're seeing number 500.